Thank you, church. It's really good to be with you this morning. Great to be with those of you in the room, and also really good to be with those of you watching at home. As John said, we're in this series in Luke's Gospel. It's called The King and His Kingdom. And really, we're just starting out in this series. It's going to take us right up until Easter next year. Now, if you're into politics, you will know that it is party conference season. And at these conferences, particularly when there's an election coming up, the parties will set out their manifestos, really a list of values and promises and priorities, saying this is what the nation will look like under our leadership. And when they do that at the conferences, normally what happens is that everyone gets up and cheers at the right moments and claps. Well, this morning we're going to look at a passage in Luke 4 where Jesus is really laying out the manifesto of the kingdom, if you like, this list of promises and characteristics, what it looks like when the kingdom of God comes near. But as we'll see, it doesn't result in applause. In fact, by the end of the chapter, there's a really negative response from those who are listening. Let's just say it doesn't end well. So we're going to dive into this passage together. We're in Luke 4, verses 14 to 30. If you've got a Bible, do follow along in your Bible. If not, it will come up on the screen behind me. So Luke 4, Verses 14 to 30 says this Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we've heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years. And there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence with us this morning. Thank you that you're here with us. I thank you for your presence as we worship you this morning. And I thank you that there are things that you want to say to us this morning, that you, there are things that you want us to hear. 
about who you are. So I pray, come and open our ears and soften our hearts, I pray, that we'd hear your voice speaking to us this morning. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here we are, right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Jesus is in Galilee, in the north of Israel. And it says in the text that it was Jesus' custom to go to the synagogue each Sabbath. You know, there's a great reason to prioritize worshiping with your church family each Sunday. Jesus was a churchgoer. And at the time, Jesus was becoming known for his teaching. Word was starting to get around about this local rabbi. And he comes back to his hometown of Nazareth, this place where he grew up. And he's invited to speak. And the way it would work in the synagogue was that the speaker for that day would stand to read the word of God. And then they'd sit down to teach. So Jesus gets up and he reads these well-known words from the prophet Isaiah And as he sits down to speak, Luke writes that the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And you can almost feel the expectation in that moment. This is a local boy. He's one of our own. What will he say? How will he interpret these words from Isaiah? And Jesus says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It's an incredible moment. We're going to unpack what Jesus is saying there. And really, we're going to look at two things this morning to do with this kingdom manifesto. First of all, we're going to look at the grace of this kingdom manifesto, the grace of this manifesto. Do you know, this passage that Jesus quotes says so much about the gracious heart of God. It's from Isaiah 61. We heard it in the worship this morning. It's a wonderful passage, and it's about what it looks like when all things on earth come under the rule and the reign of King Jesus. So what does it look like? Well, it's good news. This is good news because it's all about freedom. Jesus read those words from Isaiah. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to set the oppressed free. Do you know, we have many stories in our church family of people who've been set free from all kinds of things and whose lives are evidence of this, whose lives today look totally different to how they once looked, all because of Jesus. Do you know, our God loves to set people free. This is why we have ministries in our church like Azalea and King's Table and Christians Against Poverty set up to free those in our town caught in sexual exploitation and addiction and death. It's because freedom is a kingdom value. These are kingdom ministries. And of course, you don't need to be enslaved in a literal sense to know captivity. As we get close to Jesus, we realize there are all kinds of things that we all need freeing from. Things that we do, patterns of thinking. As we accept the rule and reign of Jesus over our lives, he comes and he sets us free. A great mark of the kingdom is freedom. Another mark of the kingdom of God is healing. We should expect to see healing when the kingdom of God comes. Jesus said those words, he sent me to proclaim recovery of sight for the blind. I remember a few years ago taking our young people to the Christian festival New Day. And one of our teenagers there who was with us, he'd worn glasses ever since he was very young. And he was prayed for during the time of healing and God completely restored his sight, and he was able to take off his glasses and see clearly again. That is the kingdom of God breaking in. We should expect to see miraculous healings. And of course, it's not just about physical healing. There's a spiritual element to this too. I know from my own life, 
that when the kingdom of God breaks in, it's like we see in a whole new way. Our eyes are open to a new reality, to God as our Father. We realize that he's for us and not against us. The kingdom of God is about recovery of sight. And the kingdom of God is about forgiveness and a fresh start. Again, Jesus reads those words. He sent me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I love that line. It's a reference to this really gracious law that God had built in to Israel's history. You can read about it in Leviticus 25. It's this law of Jubilee. And it was that every 50th year, all debts were cancelled and all slaves were freed and all the land went back to its original owners and people could start over again. So you won't find that in any political party's manifesto. But this is the great promise of God to us. But now it's the year of Jubilee that our debts are cancelled because of Jesus. That we get to stand completely forgiven and free. That our slates are wiped totally clean. This is a gracious manifesto. And look who benefits from this manifesto. It's the poor, the prisoners, the blind, the oppressed. And as we journey through Luke's gospel over these coming weeks, we'll see that these were the kinds of people Jesus spent time with. He came close to people who were on the margins as he healed the sick, as he demonstrated the favor of God. I remember in my early 20s spending a couple of weeks out in Angola and being alongside people who were incredibly poor. But what I was stunned by was their joy. You know, these were people who knew the eternal hope of Jesus. They were materially poor, but spiritually some of the richest people that I've ever met. The gospel is good news. And of course, this isn't just about material poverty. This is about spiritual poverty too. The gospel is good news for those of us who realize that we're spiritually bankrupt. That actually, in our own strength, by our own nature, we have a lack, that we're broken people. And our only hope is the wonderful generosity of God. So Jesus reads out this glorious, gracious manifesto. And then he says that line, all of these things are fulfilled in me. In other words, I'm not just proclaiming this kingdom. I'm bringing it. I'm not just talking about a future season that's coming. No, the kingdom of God comes now through me. God has entered into creation. Jesus lays out this glorious manifesto. And you can almost imagine heaven erupting at this moment with praise as the Son of God is revealed. And yet, in that synagogue in Nazareth, isn't this Joseph's son? Do you know, it can be a strange thing to go back to your hometown. I grew up in a town called St. Austin in Cornwall, beautiful part of the country. Great childhood, wonderful family, amazing parents. In fact, they're probably watching on the live stream. Well, that's hello, mum. Hello, dad. This is the great benefit of a live stream. But whenever I go back to St. Austin, it's, it's full of memories and stories. It's a place where I'm known. And in one sense, that's great. That is lovely. But there's also a familiarity in your hometown. And for Jesus, he's back in his hometown. And he makes this claim that the kingdom of God has come. And it seems there's this familiarity that almost fuels cynicism and skepticism. Isn't this Joseph's son? And they miss what he's claiming. 
as soon as we think that we're worthy of God's grace, for whatever reason, we're in trouble. If we fall into thinking that because we're part of a certain family, because we come from a certain place, or because we've lived in a certain way, that there's some virtue in us that makes us worthy of blessing, as soon as we think like that, we're on dodgy ground. Because the gospel says that we're all poor, and that we're all blind, and that we're all imprisoned, and that we all need the outrageous grace of God. The gospel is good news for all of us who know that we're broken and selfish, and who know that in our own strength, we make a total mess of things. People who regret things, people who feel shame about things, people who wish they could start over again. The gospel is the wonderful news of the generous grace of God poured out on broken people like you and like me, and it comes through Jesus. See, Jesus totally changes the scale here. The kingdom manifesto isn't just for a people group. It isn't just for a small, distant town 2,000 years ago. This is a message of hope that the whole world needs to hear. Jesus takes this passage that would have been understood about being about deliverance of a certain people and instead offers good news for anyone who will receive it. This is a global manifesto. It's not just that a Messiah has come to rescue a nation. It's that God has come to rescue the world. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And there will come a time when God brings judgment. But now is this time of grace when the whole world is invited to know the wonderful generosity of God and to accept his kingship over their lives. And you know, when we pray... reign of King Jesus, that we'd see kingdom values lived out in our neighbourhoods and our workplaces, and bigger than that, that rulers and leaders of nations would submit to Jesus, that governments around the world would be characterised by righteousness, that we'd see kingdom influence in all areas of society, in business, in the media, in healthcare, in education, in the creative arts, that those in influence in those areas would have revelation of who Jesus is and would bow the knee to him and lead out of a place of knowing that they're sons and daughters of the king. I mean, imagine what that would look like. Imagine the justice and the healing and the freedom and the forgiveness and the grace. And we know that one day this is what it'll be like when... When Jesus comes again, but it begins now. It begins now because the kingdom of God has come through Jesus. And here's the thing, that we get to be a part of that. Right at the end of Luke 4, there's this weird moment that, as I read it, it left me asking questions. It says that the people were furious with Jesus, and they got up, they drove him out of the town, and they took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. And I thought, how? How did he do that? Was this a miracle of some kind? Did he outwit them? Was Jesus a bit sneaky? Well, it doesn't say in the text, but what we do know is that Jesus' hour had not yet come. But a few years later, it would. 
See, as Jesus made this claim that the kingdom of God had come, he knew that things were now in motion that would lead to the cross. And to a time when he wouldn't choose to walk away, but instead to submit to death. And at the cross, he was held in captivity so that you could know freedom. He became poor so that you could become spiritually rich. And through Jesus' death and resurrection, we are forgiven and made righteous and brought into his family. And in John's Gospel, he says, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, now we are sons and daughters of the King. And he fills us with his Spirit. And now this kingdom manifesto that Jesus preached is our manifesto. We have the privilege of carrying the answer to the world's darkness and pain and carrying it and bearing it into the world around us. Which leaves us with a couple of questions as we end today. First, what are you going to do with this man who claims to be God? See, Jesus still disrupts and challenges people today. Even this morning, he is seated on his heavenly throne and he calls you to lean in. And he says, the kingdom of God is fulfilled in me. How do you hear that? Do you hear that as good news or are you cynical? How do you hear it? Do you see Jesus as king? See, today, most people would identify with Jesus' manifesto. Many people would get on board with a manifesto that promises an end to poverty and oppression and injustice. And yet most people today will reject the very one through whom all this comes. The only one who can truly deliver people and set them free. Have you recognized Jesus as king? I don't just mean for the first time, but are you seeing him as king right now? Has anything got in the way of you seeing him like that? We'll never receive God's kingdom into our lives until we understand who he is, until we understand that he's the king of kings. But also, are we carrying this kingdom manifesto into the world around us? And you might say to me, well, it just seems way too big. Actually, I've got a million things to do, and that's just today. I've got to feed the kids, I've got to work, I've got essays to write, I've got so much to do. And actually, the world just seems so dark and its problems seem so big and unscalable. How can we genuinely change a world with such pain and such darkness? Well, here's something that we can all do as we go into this next week. See, when we know the characteristics of the kingdom, things like freedom and healing and justice and grace, then whenever we see the opposite of those things, whenever we see the opposite of the kingdom, however big or small, we can pray and see what the Father will do. So if we see someone in pain, physically or emotionally or psychologically, we can pray for healing. When we see injustice or oppression, we can pray. And who knows, God might use us to help bring about that freedom. If we're talking with someone who's struggling with condemnation and guilt or regret, we can tell them about the wonderfully gracious God who gives people a fresh start. The wonderful news is this, that now, today, the Spirit of the Lord is on us, on the church. He has anointed us, and Jesus sends us out with him with this glorious manifesto, manifesto to see his kingdom come all the more in our lives and in the lives 
of those around us. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite the band to come back up and I'm going to hand over now to John. Thank <laughs> you.